Welcome to A Fresh Take, where we look at timely and timeless issues through the lens of biblical truth. I'm your host, Mark Pennell, joined each week by Pastor Paul Sartorelli of Trinity Church in Metro, Ohio. This is our chance to take a look at important biblical, cultural, and contemporary topics that resonate for all listeners. Thanks for joining us today. Hi there. I'm Mark. Actually, I said to him, but I meant to you. Uh, I'm Mark Pennell, along with Paul Sartorelli. He's a pastor teacher from Trinity here in, in uh, Metro, Ohio. It's called Fresh Take for a good reason, or at least we hope it is. We're trying to give you a fresh take of what the Bible says. Maybe a different twist, not not distorted or... Or heretical. <laughs> yes, but to try to get a little more in depth with... I, I trust this man implicitly to know the, the word and... Um, so I like to pick his brain, and hopefully you'll get some of the answers through my brain. And we do want, I mean, it's what we've been doing all along. We want the, to, the rubber to meet the road. I mean, that's the real, that's part of the fresh take. Uh, even what we're going to be talking about now, we don't want it just to be ethereal or just Old Testament, because it will be. It needs to apply right where we live. So tell us what we're talking about. All right. This one uh, actually has been brought up a couple of times in my life since I became a believer. People who said... Uh, how can it, these are non-believers said, um, how can a good God let something so bad happen to somebody? Why would God make a bet with Satan and use this? Well, that's the man? book of, that's the book of Job. Yes. But why would God allow 17 missionaries or how many of them in Haiti right now to be kidnapped? I mean, they're doing great work, work for the Lord. And, um, this crazy group kidnaps them and now a million dollars per person for why? Yeah. So that's the question. Why would God allow that? Why would God allow, um, COVID to happen? Mm. Cancer. Yeah. And it's, those are good questions. Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? And where's God and all that? I, it's kind of an interesting thing that when you think about life, it's going to have pain. There isn't a person out there in this whole mm-hmm. world that doesn't have pain. Mm-hmm. Some have more, some have yep. less. But we all look at, should look at each other and go, you're living a life of pain, too. Yes. And we, this, all, we all tolerate it differently. Yeah, that's true. You we were talking about you had, an, you had a bad tooth. I yesterday. had an abscess yesterday, and the doctor said, do you not feel that? I said, no. He said, you're a man. And I just <laughs> shook his hand. And, I'd be crying like a baby. <laughs> There's no question about that. So I do have that question. Why would God, he basically, let's start now into the meat of it. God is talking to Satan or Satan walks up to him. We're talking about the book of Job now. That's, right. that's the whole idea. We're going to use our pain and our suffering, and we're going to allow the, the Old Testament story of Job to talk into it. And, and, and what amazes me is so much uh, the time I get, I get lost in what the Old Testament is saying and forgetting that it is also talking to Christians. Totally. Yeah. And because it's relating to us when we have those questions, why me? Where's God in all this? Is there any purpose in all of this? And in many ways, this beautiful book of wisdom of Job, it's a hard book, but Mm -hmm. it's meant to address that sort of subject about pain, but it's also about faith. It's also about the sovereignty of God. And that's what we want to do for four weeks to reflect on our own pain and suffering and our own questions and let the story of Job um, kind of interact with that. Uh, we, uh, I looked through a couple of commentaries, and I was amazed at how different mm. these people looked at the at the book. Mm. Um, some people said it was 
was about um, Job really having to learn not to be his own God, so to speak, and say that I'm a success because I'm good and God is rewarding me. I don't see that. Then uh, the other one is what you were sharing in your office, which gave a fresh look. Well, let me let me just start with the first verse. And, and I, what I want to do is give you sort of a an outline of the whole book. And I, you know what? Let's challenge our l- l- listeners and watchers. Read the book of Job. It's hard, though. I'm not a poet reader. I I struggled through the whole thing. Yeah, four weeks. You can do it. So uh, let me do, I'll give you the outline in three different ways, in two different ways. One, think of it, it's like a play. It's like a play, and and act one of the play is suffering. Mm -hmm. And the main, so if I'm Steven Spielberg, and I'm doing it as a movie on the screen, there's just two people on the screen in act one of suffering. It's God and Satan. Hope they're different uh, sides of the Yes. Picture, and then the third person comes on as Job. And then we'll even see Job's wife okay. in a minute. So <laughs> yeah, act one is it's only for a short while. <laughs> very short. Act one is suffering. Okay. Act two is counseling. Okay. And that's the, and so act one is prose. It's just it reads like a book. Now for the major part of the book, which is from chapter three, all the way to the early part of chapter, I believe it's 42. That's all poetry. But what it is, is it's counseling. It's Job's three friends. And then here comes a fourth friend to try to comfort their friend. And in two weeks, not next week, but in two weeks, we're going to deal with that, with the counseling that Job gets, whether it's good or bad, and how how can we... You call them the three students. I do. Curly, Larry, and (laughs) Moe. And then Shemp comes up (laughs) toward the end. So we're going to talk about that on how do we comfort a friend. So counseling... Is is uh, Act Two? Suffering was Act One, and then um, Act Three is restoring, and then it's prose again, and everything sort of gets put back together again. In your notes here, you, it gets me wondering: Is this for purpose? For a purpose? Is this on purpose? Why am I? Why am I suffering? What's the reason for this? Let's stay. Let's start with Job, okay. and then let's move forward. Okay. So let, let me just read you the f- first verse of the book of Job, just so you get a, a, a hearing of it. There was a man in the country of Uz, not Oz. Uz, right? Yes, Uz. Mm-hmm. There was a man in the country of Uz. This, by the way, did you know that this is probably the oldest book of the Old Testament? Is it really? Yep. Isn't it interesting? It's probably the oldest book of the Old Testament, and it's dealing with what I think the most contemporary problem of modern man. There was a man in the country of Uz. He probably lived, Job probably lived around the same time of Abraham. Okay. Okay. Named Job. Now, I want you to hear how they describe Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. So that's that's your premise. That's your narrator saying, okay, this is a book about Job. And let me tell you something about Job. He was a man of complete integrity. And in some, in some ways, he uses the Old Testament phrase, the wisdom literature phrase of a godly person. Mm-hmm. And he feared God. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's Job. Mm-hmm. And so you have this model character. And there's the, there's the beginning of the book. So now you ask, what's, is there a purpose in all of this? So in Anyways, so what happens is, I'll just tell you a little bit of the story. What happens is, so you have this really good guy, mm-hmm. and he's doing wonderfully. Now, he's got a bunch of kids, so he's a he's a godly man, he's a family man, he's a businessman, he's very wealthy, yeah. he's, he's got a lot of stuff. Yes. So um, Job is living life large. 
He's godly, but he's also living like large. He's got a lot of stuff. And so as the play goes on, God goes up to Satan. Sort of, if if God wears suspenders, I I think the God of West Virginia wears suspenders. (laughs) (laughs) And and he pulls on. Remember, our God is also the God of West Virginia. That's right. Sorry. He loves them, too. (laughs) He does, indeed. (laughs) Um, By the way, I love West Virginia. I lived there for a while. so I forgot about that. Wheeling. Anyway. He pulls on his suspenders and he says to Satan, have you checked out my man, Job? He is so righteous and he's got so much faith and he's just, he's, he's my model citizen, my model follower. And Satan basically says, wait a minute. Um, That's a big, it's not a big deal that he's so faithful to you. He has everything. Exactly. And so, in a sense, I would call this first section a wager. They sort of make a bet, God and Satan, because Satan says, I believe that Job follows you out of convenience. Okay. Oh, all right. You've made it easy for him. He's he's living in America with all of his freedoms and all of his health and all of his wealth. Of course he believes in you. It's a piece of cake. So Satan says, let's take away this stuff and see. And God says, okay, we will. Because I believe his faith is a faith of conscience. And in a sense, you asked about purpose. In some ways, one of the purposes for our suffering, I think, is to reveal the authenticity or the fragility, is it fragile, mm. of our faith? Is it a faith of convenience because you've been so blessed? Or is it a faith of conscience, truly believing in God because he's God, yeah. in Christ because he's in the Lord? Or is it, are you believing in him because of the candy that he gives you? That's, that's the premise of the book. In a funny sort of way, maybe I'm going off topic here, but we in America are incredibly uh, selfish, uh, I think, because we've had, we have so much, we expect so much mm-hmm. and we live in a lap of luxury, not have, not realizing at all how great it is. Last night I was having trouble fluffing my pillow. And oh, then I realized, hate it. No. And, but then I realized there's a kid in Haiti who's sleeping on dirt. Yeah. Right. And there are people in Africa whose faith is stronger than, than make we wish we could have the faith they do, and they have nothing. Oh, I know. They live in a mud hut, and they, but they're smiling all the time. I've heard stories about that. In, in non-COVID days, I spend a lot of time in India, and I am so um, humiliated by the faith of these simple pastors and leaders that make very, very little, and their faith in the Lord is so non-circumstantial. You know, I, I was doing a conference once, and I had to fly from the United States to Paris, and then from Paris to India, and my flights were late, and they were long, and I was That's unusual. Yeah, well, back in the... Now I fly through Dubai, just so you know. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, oh, it's unusual that it was late. Yeah, it was late. It was just... And I was annoyed. And so then our, our cohort started. It's me and another leader and all of these Indian pastors. And they begin to tell me... There was this one man that told me that he rode a bike for two hours to get on a bus for nine hours, to take a train for 14 hours that broke down many, many times. Mm. And finally, he got to the city where we were, and he made his way to where we were. And I thought, I am such a jerk, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I'm complaining because my jumbo jet was 40 minutes late, and I had to run from the gate in Paris. Okay, but but in a way, that's kind of painting the picture we have. Uh, It is. So... 
Go on with the story. Okay. So in some ways, so uh, let me give you the five C's again. I want to, I want you to hear this story again and again and again, as you read it to understand what it's about. It's about us, really. It's about my faith. It's about my pain. And to put myself in that story is really, really important. So here's the five C's of the story. It's, it's, it can be a three-act play or five C's. Okay. C number one, it's a contest. It's a contest between God and Satan. God saying, my servant Job is, is a model faithful follower. Satan saying, no, he's not. He's just believing in you because you've made it so convenient. So C, first C is contest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second C, calamity. Okay. Boy, is there ever. Yeah. Job loses everything. Like this. I mean. Yeah. Yep. He loses his wealth. He loses his family, everybody but his wife. He loses um, his kids. Um, he loses his health. All oh, yeah. that. So calamity is huge. Third C is counsel. Okay. Again, it's Job's friends. We'll deal with that in two weeks. Job's friends trying to help him out mm-hmm. in the midst of that. I'm not going to tell you what they're saying, but you'll want to tune in in yeah, a couple so of weeks. I, I'll give you a clue. At one point, Job looks at them and says, if you would just be silent for you, that would be wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I've wanted to use that with my friends. <laughs> Wait so, a minute. You said that to me. Anyway, okay. Contest, calamity, counsel. Then the the fourth C is correction. God finally shows up on the scene. We'll get to that in three weeks. God finally shows up on the scene and basically takes Job to task. Because Job finally, we talked about this in my office, Job finally ran out of his patience. And he just, he wanted to quit. He was was cursing life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And God says, this is the correction. God says, wait a minute, where were you when I laid the foundation? of the earth? Where were you when I put the stars in the sky? And he basically gives this interrogation of Job to correct him. That basically says, Job, you want to know all the answers to this physical world and why you're suffering? Do you know the answers of anything about the physical world? And so he just gives them his test. And at the end of the correction, Job says, Oh man. Mm-hmm. And now he realizes the God that he's got. And so the, the, fi- the fifth C then is the conclusion and the conclusion of the matter. J- God wins the bet. Oh, of course. Uh, God wins the bet and Job fl- in a sense flourishes, which is a really good lesson for, for, for us to know. Um, when we go through suffering, we will go through those deep valleys. Mm-hmm. And Job does. They're really, really, really deep valleys. Um, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is um, through God's grace, um, we can flourish at the end. Yeah. That doesn't mean we won't go through pain, right. but we can flourish through the end. Right. Um, it's kind of funny. God always knows what's going to happen. So he knows how the results are going to be with this bet. Well said. But the interesting thing is, isn't there a point where God has to step in because he realizes, and this is going to sound awful, that the bet might be lost? Uh, I would say, as the book is written for dramatic purposes, maybe. Theological, no. (laughs) But the, the tension of the drama is there. You know, the tension of the drama, um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he's he's such he's he's about to experience such pain that the anguish is making him sweat blood. 
And so at one point, again, this is the tension of the drama. At one point, Jesus says, Father, take this cup from me. In other words, he's saying, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And so there's that tension. But then you read the very next verse and he says, but not my will, but yours be done. And in a sense, that's the very, very tension. And it's the tension of our lives, too. I mean, the Lord promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. And yet in the midst of that suffering, like it was with Job, God can seem a million miles away. Um, the tension of, is Mark going to make it through this suffering? Um, is That's the tension of life. You know, right off the bat, I can see what you're trying to say. It is a beautiful thing that there, as dark as this book is, it's a tremendous reminder of the comforting that you find, that he never leaves us. Right. He's always there. And no matter how much we fear that he is gone mm-hmm. or that we're not going to get through this thing, that he is going to be with us the entire yeah. time. Yes. We must never forget. As a matter of fact, we should lean on him more than ever, no matter how bad it gets. We should try. It's hard hard to say when you're in it, but we should try to lean on him more to get through it. Uh, totally. Uh, you, many of our favorite psalm is Psalm 23, and I love that one line. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You comfort me. And in a sense, it's hard to remember that when you're in the valley on on many, many occasions. I've quoted that to people either in the hospital or going through chemotherapy or having lost a loved one just to not to preach at them, but just to remind them of God's care and comfort that sometimes the circumstances of life, like in Job or in your life, sometimes the circumstances of life cloud the fact that God is loving and sovereign and caring. And, and you're in the midst of that pain and you think, wow, no. Do you want to say anything more before we end today's? I want to give two key issues of this book sort of as an introduction. And then I want to read something from C.S. Lewis. Okay. Okay. I want to give two key issues. I wrote them down because I want you to hear them. Um, In a sense, you could call them the, the key questions. As you begin to read this book, as you begin to see the suffering in your own life, here are the questions. Is God good enough to be loved and followed for just himself Mm. and not his gifts? Is God good enough to say, man, I worship the Lord, not because my life is so great. I worship the Lord because he's worthy of worship. That's Job. God takes all of those gifts away from Job. And that's the question. We have to be stripped of everything we have to see how great he is. Yes. And to be honest with you, let's be honest. Let's take a fresh take. I've never been there. I mean, I've, I have lost children before. We lost two in the birthing process that were full term. One was six months old. So I've, I've known some of that darkness, um, but never to the point of having lost everything. Here's the tension of the drama. I don't know if I would continue to worship God, if I had lost everything, um, I trust his grace to carry me through it. But knowing my own, um, frailty, my own humanity. Um, but isn't that the right attitude to have to some extent? Because if you were to have complete confidence, I'm going to get through this and all that. I am phony. Yeah. It, it becomes almost arrogance. It's, yeah. it's you're depending too much on yourself. Yes. To- yeah, totally. So that's the first question. Is God good enough to be loved and followed, even if he takes away all of his toys? Ask yourself his toys. That's true. (laughs) Second one. Can a person hold on to his faith and to his God 
when there are no benefits attached. All right. Think about it. And I think this is partly why we often confuse our American um, materialism with our Christianity. All of the benefits. We just drove around in your nice new car. Um, if you if you associate that with the with the core of your faith, look out. Do you think that we get kind of confused with this prosperity uh, yeah. movement? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a vocal opponent, yeah. yeah, critic of the prosperity gospel, and yet it's hard living in America and not being pros- prosperous. Yeah. The problem is when you associate one with the other. If I am faithful, God will bless me with prosperity. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to go. Right. Let me read you. So th- those are the two questions. Is God is is God good enough to follow when I don't have any of the toys? And is my faith strong enough to continue when there are none of the benefits? Listen to I just want to read you a couple of verses of Job and then we can wrap this up. After all of this happened, Job has lost so much. This is Job 1, verses 20 and 21. So then Job stood up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshiped. Not the word we were expecting. And this is what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. And then the, the commentator then uses this comment throughout all of this. Job did not sin or blame God for anything. What a great place to be. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As you said, I'm not sure I would be yeah. that way. But maybe let's make that our goal. All right. Let's do Okay. So is that a good enough introduction as yeah, we start? That's fantastic. Oh, didn't you want to read the C.S. Lewis? I'll read it next, next week. Yeah, we're running out of time. Yeah. All right. So uh, next we're going to do, uh, what, four weeks? Four weeks of it. So this is week one. Next week we'll talk more about... More of the intro. Uh, yeah, and, kind of. Yeah, and sort of the overflow of, of, the, of the point of the book. In week three, we'll get into the, the long bit of poetry, which is the counseling. We can do it all in one week. There's a lot there, so be reading it. But it's uh, what, what lessons can I learn about helping others and counseling others that are going through their pain? All right. So until next time, thank you for watching slash listening to A Fresh Take. I'm Mark Pennell with Paul Sartorelli. Bye. Thank you for joining us today for A Fresh Take. Your support means so much to us as we get this podcast off the ground. So if you enjoyed today's episode, would you please consider leaving a review to help us get the word out to more listeners? You can also subscribe to A Fresh Take right now and guarantee that you will never miss a new episode. The video version of this podcast is available on the Trinity Menor YouTube channel or by visiting trinitymenor.com slash learnandgrow where you can also catch up on past episodes of Pastor Paul's video series, Take 5, or read back through his blog, To The Point. A Fresh Take is hosted by Mark Pennell alongside Pastor Paul Sartorelli and is a ministry of Trinity Church in Menor, Ohio. Our musical selections are provided courtesy of Michael Burrett from the Eastman School of Music. Visit trinitymenor.com for more information about Trinity and its ministries. Thank you for listening today. We'll see you next time.